This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. Following today's homily, please wait for a special message from Father Paul. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Wait a minute, if that confused you, that seems like contradictory details. Remember the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles have different chronologies in their accounts of Jesus' resurrection. It's not written as a scientific history. So in the passage we just heard from John, Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into his disciples on the day of his resurrection. We follow in the church, in our celebration of Easter, the chronology and the Acts of the Apostles. So remember, the experience of Easter begins for Jesus' first disciples when he rises from the dead on Easter Sunday. They, 40 days later, according to that chronology, witness Jesus' ascending to heaven. Jesus has told them, after he ascends, that they're supposed to remain in Jerusalem, that they're going to receive a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they do this. They remain in Jerusalem for 10 days. So 10 days after the ascension, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, there is a Jewish feast called Pentecost going on in Jerusalem. Jewish people from all around the Mediterranean world have gone on pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. That's where we pick up in the first reading. Second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. I really urge you, when you go home this week, please read the whole second chapter of Acts. It's posted on our social media. You can just open up your Bible to get the full account of what happens on Pentecost. We just heard the first 13 verses. The fact is that Pentecost is the culmination of the experience of Easter for those first disciples. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has conquered sin and death through his passion and his resurrection. They know this. They have witnesses ascending to heaven. It's only at Pentecost that the power of Jesus' resurrection enters them. The Holy Spirit enters this room where they're gathered and enters their souls. At this point, the power of salvation is no longer external, it's internal. Their souls are changed, and they are changed. The fact is, when you go and read the rest of the account this week, those people who have been sinful, limited, and they're fearful of the people who killed Jesus, they go out into the streets and they start telling these people gathered for the Jewish celebration of Pentecost about Jesus. They tell people about God in terms they can understand. They explain who Jesus was. They explain that he was killed. They explain that he rose from the dead, and he alone is the source of salvation. Some people automatically, we just heard, or or immediately say they're drunk. It's only nine in the morning. St. Peter says we're not drunk. 
He doesn't say we won't be drunk at 9 p.m. He says it's 9 in the morning. We are not drunk. Many people actually listen. Many people experience this truth entering them, and they say, what should we do to become part of this? They're told, turn away from your sin and be baptized, and you'll receive Jesus within the depth of your soul. And the account says that around 3,000 people are baptized that day. The fact is that those disciples go out to the whole world ultimately to share this news of salvation. And the fact is the only reason you and I are in this church today is because generation after generation of people have accepted the truth of who Jesus is and have shared it with us. So this week, hoping that Pentecost will be the culmination of the grace of Easter for us, I invite you to do, it's an easy spiritual exercise that I think we do every year in one form or another in this community. Reread that passage of Acts and just ask yourself directly, how are these people changed after the Holy Spirit enters them and they accept the Holy Spirit and they cooperate with it? Very straightforward. And then just be honest and direct with yourself. To what extent is what happens in them going on in your life right now? And to what extent is it not? Your life, and please our parish's life, I hope also your marriage, your household, how am I experiencing this and how am I not? The not is really important, nothing to be afraid of, because the not, you can be confident, that's a way that the grace of Easter is meant to unfold as you move forward in life. So I'll give you three easy examples from this. When those first disciples receive, accept, and cooperate with the grace of the Holy Spirit, they go out and they speak to people about the mighty works of God. They go out and they explain who God is, who Jesus is, what God is doing in this world today. They say this in entirely new ways. There's an immediate phenomenon that they're speaking in tongues, but that's just a brief reality. They go out and for the rest of their lives, they speak in new ways about the mighty works of God. How are you doing this? How are you not doing this? We're blessed to live in a community where for all of our limitations, I've never been in a community in which more people get out there and speak of the mighty works of God than this worshiping community. No matter how crazy this world is, no matter how threatening it can be to the truth of Jesus, so many of you go out and speak to people directly, even if they think you're drunk, about the mighty works of God. That is how salvation is spreading in the city of Lawrence. This week at Lawrence Catholic Academy, a boy in the seventh grade asked to speak to me privately, and he said, I want to be baptized. I want to grow in Jesus. A day later, a boy in the sixth grade asked to speak with me privately. He said, I want to be baptized. I want to grow in Jesus. Those boys are experiencing salvation through a lot of people, including their peers, who are speaking of the mighty works of God. So that's number one. Number two, when those disciples accept, receive, accept, and cooperate with the grace of the Holy Spirit, other people are drawn to them. Yes, people dismiss them. Yes, people don't understand them. But many people are drawn to them. They're drawn to them because the Holy Spirit is breathing through them. 
I, there's no evidence there are more extroverts than introverts in those disciples than there are among us. There's no evidence this is about personality or being articulate or being charming or being attractive. People, whether we understand this or not, are created to be attracted to God, to God's love. People are drawn to those disciples because they're being drawn to God's love. To what extent are people drawn to you because you are speaking of the mighty works of God? Again, it's not about the number of friends you have. It's not about what personality you have. People should be drawn to you because you are speaking the truth of Jesus Christ in love. And I think this is a really good challenge for a lot of us, starting with priests, but also parents, and also people who think that they're incredibly orthodox doctrinally, but are angry. If I don't speak the truth in love, people are not gonna be drawn to me. Why would they be drawn to me? It's like I'm barking the truth at them. We all bark sometimes, but if you're barking as a parent about Jesus to your children, eh, do you really think they're gonna be drawn to you? So to what extent am I, and to what, in what ways am I not, speaking of the mighty works of God in love. Third and finally, when those disciples accept, receive, accept, and cooperate with the grace of the Holy Spirit, people who don't speak their language are able to understand them. So again, there's an immediate phenomenon. These are Galileans who are speaking Aramaic. All these people at the celebration of the Jewish Feast of Pentecost who speak very different languages can understand what they're saying. That's a temporary phenomenon. It's not like they're transformed into people who can just walk to other countries and be understood automatically by everybody else thereafter. What they become is people who do go to other countries, and I don't know how they do it. I mean, I, I can only imagine the details. They do go out into the world and they do speak the truth of Jesus, and people do understand them. If you are speaking the truth of Jesus Christ, yes, some people will think you're drunk, no, you don't control anybody else, but people will understand you. And how blessed are we, again, we've got a lot of problems, to be in this parish. We do not understand one another's languages, literally, very often. And yet when people come walking in here, they understand those people believe in God and they're trying to grow. When people walk into Cor Unum for the first time, they do not often speak a word of English or Spanish, but they understand immediately that is love. People are feeding me, that is love. When I bring guests to Lawrence Catholic Academy, the most common reaction after people go through the school, it's like 75% of the time, is those children are happy and those children are loved. You don't have to understand what's going on in a classroom. You don't have to understand anyone. You get, most of the time, this is about the love of God. That's what's going on here. So for all of our limitations, I encourage you to consider how is it that you're already experiencing people understand you because you are speaking the truth of Jesus Christ in love. And now, a special message from Father Paul. 
We have a custom of speaking about money three times formally per year in this church. This is one of those three times. The way our parish operates, always in the black, is that our weekly offertory collections never pay our weekly bills. They pay a portion of it. To make up the difference between what we give week by week and what we spend in the course of a year, we have two special collections. In the fall, the grand annual collection, and in the spring, a collection called, get this, the spring collection. Our fiscal year ends on June 30th. So between now and June 30th, we need to raise $145,000 to balance our budget, which I am confident we will. This is for just our standard bills, the light bills, the books that we use for our catechetical programs. We have a very small staff here doing a huge amount of work very sacrificially to pay our staff salaries, to pay for the broadcast of these liturgies, just our regular bills. The collection is the second collection next weekend. If you've been, if you are a registered parishioner, you should have gotten materials mailed to you. If you either didn't or you're a visitor or you're not registered, the materials are in the welcome centers on the way out, and you can also do this online. We are successful year after year in these collections for three principal reasons. If you know these reasons, blessed are you because you must be living it. But particularly if you're new, I just want to get these three realities into your head. We expect as a community 100% participation of generous sacrificial gifts. So 100% participation. Every single man, woman, and child in this community is expected to contribute to this collection because every single man, woman, and child in this community receives the ministry of Jesus concretely through the work of St. Patrick Parish. We are all equally uh, receivers of this ministry. We're all equally responsible to contribute to it. If you're one of the minority of people who sits here still and says, I'm not going to participate, other people are going to pay my way through life, I do not understand it. I understand why you have no friends, but I don't understand why you would do that. Just you got to give it up. It's terrible. So please, 100% participation. Number two, generous. God is always generous. God is never stingy. God is never cheap. God actually always gives us more than we need. The famous multiplication of the loaves, there's extra food left over because God's love is always generous. If I'm giving this gift to support the work of God, and if I'm giving this gift to God, here is my material to do your work, it must be generous. This is critically important in our community. We have people who are homeless who contribute generously to this collection. We have people who live in big, beautiful homes who contribute generously to this collection. Generous for one person, real gener really generous, is $200. Generous for another person is a five-figure gift. In a community in which the average per capita income is $20,858, it makes no logical sense that we're going to raise $145,000 in the next month, but we are because you are so generous according to your means. Finally, sacrificial. This is the whole reality of salvation. True love is sacrificial. That's the ultimate revelation of true love. If I am trying to live the love of Jesus, 
I know it's real when my experience is sacrificial. When I'm a parent and I give what I don't want to give to my child for whatever reason, I know it's true love. When I am married and I sacrifice for this person, I know it's true love. In this community, when I give of myself in ways I don't want to give, that's when I know this is true love. So sacrificial, whatever that means for you, money that you want to use for other things or you want to hold on to, you sacrifice it for the work of Jesus and you sacrifice it to give love to Jesus. So I invite you to do focus on those three things. I promise you I will do it this week. I am going to participate for sure. I'm going to consider right now at this stage of my life, which might be different than last year, might be different next year, what is genuinely generous and is this sacrificial? If you do that, make your donation and I believe you will be happy. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.